They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Admit I was a clone to be messing around, but that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. So, do bad. Welcome to Bad Boy Running. We like to get guests from around the world, and I, actually, I'd heard of Christian a few times before, but when I then reread about his unbelievable challenge of of running the most uh, most elevation in 24 hours as a team by running up and down. Um, Table Mountain. I thought we've got to get him on. So, welcome to podcast, the wonderful Christian Grayling. Thank you for having us. So I, oh, my absolute pleasure. I, I, I guess we probably should explain the uh, the, the background, your your lack of background, shall we say, um, physically in the uh, in the video. So, yeah, <laughs> tell us what's happening at the moment. Yeah, so, so currently uh, we are in hour 40 of a power outage um, and I've got my last battery lights and my headlamp shining on my face so that you can at least see me. And um, But yeah, power outages are quite common in South Africa. We, we have a term called load shedding. Most people in first world countries don't know what it's all about, but we actually share power. So um, currently we're scheduled for stage six load shedding, which is one of the worst we've experienced in three years and that means that we'll be off for six hours at a time and um, but this is an abnormal outage that we have on a farm line so someone was cutting trees illegally and they messed up the power line so and with that, my internet that load lost. sharing does that, does that mean that there's say for example another area that would get um, wouldn't have energy for a different six hours does it rotate round or C- correct yes is everyone so, off across the country yes. So I can juggle it, juggle it quite nicely between my office and my home. Um, we are on different schedules. <laughs> so oh, I see. if I drive around, so, I can have power. <laughs> so do, do people, do, is, is, is that something that people consider then in, in their work-life balance is almost having an office that's far away enough that they never have to have the issue of running out of power? Or, or do people have second homes potentially if they've got enough money or? No, not really. Um, most people just um, deal with it and they use it as an excuse if they can't attend meetings or something like that. Um, I We've been quite proactive in our running our business, AlphaSfit and coaching athletes. Um, so we, we've put my Wi-Fi at least on solar so we can keep on working at home. And at uh, office also we have solar, so we've got quite good backup. But um, most people are moving to solar now. That is the the, the only solution, I think. Um, we are underpowered in South Africa, and uh, there's a lack of maintenance in infrastructure. So hopefully we don't get a full blackout. So load shedding is actually to pre- protect the grid from going into a full blackout. Yeah, of course. And do you think, um, like, do you find that there is a lot more innovation in things like solar and alternative powering of homes in South Africa because of that, do you think? Or Yeah, I think the, this, uh, this, uh, the business is booming um, in the solar industry. I don't think, I think the technology is all imported um, and we, we rely on, on imports to sustain, sustain it. But um, I think it's good in the one 
one way that we are forced to be more sustainable mm. than what we would have been. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I just had no idea about because I even even having visited South Africa before, it it hadn't come up in conversation uh, bizarrely. But um, well, let's let's go back. When did you when did you first start kind of falling in love with with running and trail then? Well, actually, I first fall in love with a girl, and then uh, I realized she was a runner. And uh, because she had a boyfriend, I had to get away to to spend time with her. And, and when I <laughs> asked her for her first coffee date, she told me, uh, "No, but you can go for a run." And uh, was her boyfriend a runner at the time? No, not at all. So she was <laughs> quite keen to have a a running partner. I was more into adventure racing. And adventure racing, you carry a backpack of 12 kgs or, or 7 kgs. And um, then uh, you don't run as much. It's more of a hike. Mm. So um, I converted her into adventure racing. Um, and we raced professionally or quite uh, competitively for another four years. And then we just realized that adventure racing is taking so much time and um, travel mm. a lot. And we actually declined a world champs invite to Tasmania and decided to rather get married because it was <laughs> the same cost <laughs> to get married than to attend the world champs. Wow. <laughs> I didn't realize it was, it ended in marriage. What, and how, how long did, um, just rewinding back, because I love a good bit of gossip. So did, was there a point at which um, your wife's ex-boyfriend realized you were trying to woo her with your running? And like, how long did it take to kind of transition your way into to that relationship? Yeah, it was about a month of um, running and I, I created a group which um, never existed. And I invited a couple of friends um, <laughs> who were like to my best men at, at my wedding. Um, and they all <laughs> pretended to be runners. So every morning at, at 5 a.m. we went out running. Um, and John, it didn't last that long because um, excuses started kicking in and then I was the only one left with um, this running group and this girl and uh, Landy my wife my now wife um, she was just into the the idea of, of training together with a group um, so I invited her for an adventure race and by hook or by crook we, we won the race um, and she had to pull me on a mountain bike because my bike broke and it was just wow. against all odds so we had to stay in for the prize giving. That was after a month of training together, being in a training group. And um, so we arrived quite late back home uh, that night. And uh, that was, needless to say, the last evening that uh, she had a boyfriend. <laughs> the relationship split wow. up after that. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. And, um, and were you naturally fit then? Were you naturally sporty or...? Because um, to win it in a month and to to suddenly pretend that you're a runner. Oh no! So, so I, I I was uh, an adventurer for quite a couple of years since two thousand and eight. I first represented South Africa in Abu Dhabi Adventure Challenge, but as a rookie, so I got a, a lucky entry, yeah. and um, then I took it quite seriously for um, yeah, on shorter races like twenty five k distance and and uh, yeah, so this yeah. was a short short event, and because um, Landy was just generally so fit. Um, whenever you had a good girl in your team, it was yeah. a big bonus for an adventure racing team because uh, that's normally your, your weakest link. And uh, Landy was just incredibly good runner and strong on a bike. So yeah. once I saw her, I, I just knew that she would be a, 
excellent racing partner, but um, also a life partner. <laughs> and, and how yeah, long but, did it take you to admit? How long did it take you to admit to her that the whole group had been fabricated? Uh, I think I only revealed it basically on the, the wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! Uh, During the speech. Three three years later. <laughs> But wow. So is, is, is adventure racing really big then in, 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 um, in South Africa? Because I'd say in the UK, it, it almost seemed as if the, the late 90s, early noughties, there was a lot of um, adventure racing. Yeah. It would probably be on running more than hiking, but then also a bit of kayaking in there. And is that a similar story in South Africa? Yeah, everything is based on navigation. So. Um, it will be a, a good mix between paddling, mountain biking, and running. Um, and yeah, we actually hosting the world champs this year, which is the first ever world champs hosted in, in Africa. Um, so that's quite exciting for the sport. And yeah, it's been it's been ongoing. Uh, it's not as big in the Western Cape where we live, so it's quite big mm. up in Gauteng. And um, this this the Expedition Africa event, which is a 500 kilometer expedition event that's taking place every year and it's this year it was in the Sutu, one of my favorite places. We've spent a, a lot of time in the Sutu in the in the high mountains. Um yeah, so I mean adventure racing is, is quite is, is still one of my favorite sports. It's just um not now it's not feasible now to do it uh with small kids and in twenty twelve we actually decided to to park our bikes and take up one sport and that was running which uh, my wife, Landy, immediately excelled in. And I, I had to, to go through all the, the niggles and pains that any runner would experience, like all the injuries. And I had to really work my, my way up from like top 20s to, to podiums. What, what type of injuries were you typically getting? I had ITB in both legs. Uh, I had plantar fasciitis. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I had shin splints. I had a labrum tear. So... Oh yeah. God! And and what was I mean? ITB, I think most people can resolve with a bit of googling. Plantar fasciitis, since it's a bit bit tricky. How did you get rid of those? Uh, yeah, plantar was the, the most difficult of them all. I think with the knowledge I have now, yeah, I can treat ITB uh, quite quickly. Um, and with all my athletes as well, I, we are very proactive in in treating those um, mm. with, with good biokinetics. So. I do rehab every week, um, and I've incorporated in our programs in AlpaSfit coaching as well, so that we have good buyers that do online consulting. Um, Planta, I, I, I tried every everything that I could Google, and the one mm. thing that really worked for the symptoms was shockwave therapy. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that, but that was also the, like the tenth thing I tried. So it, for other people, it doesn't work, but. I really think that made a big difference in the end. And what, what, when was that out of interest? Just because I've, I've recently had an injury for, for two and a half years and it, it, it looks as if shockwave therapy may have been the thing that also helped me. Um, it, was, it was basically an error that was um, healing. It would always get injured slightly when healing and therefore never properly rehealed. And the shockwave then helped to kind of heal that properly. Like it's, it's when when did you do yours and was it was it a similar strategy? Yeah, I did about ten sessions. Um, so that's the only thing about shockwave. You have to keep keep doing it. And um, 
Yeah, it was treating treating the area, and then you treat until you feel the until the pain releases, and then you move on to the next spot. So um, yeah, that was that that really worked for me. And um, some other things I've tried before: prolotherapy, PRP. I think that's also a very 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 good um, approach. I I don't like to cut, so even with my labrum tear, I totally reacted with my biokinetics. Um, and I'm able to run 100k races with not pain-free, but without uh, mm-hmm. being hindered by by the pain. So I'm aware of it, but I can I can do it without any um, major operations, at least. And are there certain um, stretches or strength exercises that you now do to try and ensure that you don't get plantar fasciitis back? Uh, so I believe plantar originates in the calf. So when your calves are really tight, it will trigger either plantar fasciitis or um, Achilles. So I always advise people to take care of their calves. If you feel like your calves are extremely tight, you need to treat it first because that's that's mostly the precursor of uh, a plantar. Mm. And um, in strength exercises, okay. yes, I, I do a lot of feet work. I do a lot of glute exercises, pelvic stability. Um, yeah, I spend hours on, on just doing that, keeping my pelvis in a neutral position. Uh, Pilates is also a good way of achieving that. But I, I like to customize my strength workouts and that I do with my biokineticist. So, so then when you, you say you decided to switch to running, um, partly for time, um, partly for focus, what what does that look like in South Africa? Like what um, We've spoken to the bang in the past. We've We've done a few episodes about comrades and how you're almost cursed as a South African runner because that's what everyone expects you should be doing rather than anything else like when when you started to run what were your objectives and, and what races really appealed to you uh, we almost started trail running with trail running in South Africa so uh, we are furniture if it comes to the running scene um, one of the first races that uh, because of the vent racing, there was one race every few weeks. So in between, you mm. would do anything else to keep on moving and training. And um, I remember one of the first trail runs, uh, I invited Landy also to, to join. And uh, I had an upper hand because uh, as I came out of or into the trail park, um, there was a car in the wrong side of the road a- against the traffic. And I didn't know a car, but I was like trying to stop this person because mm. there was a a kind of a there's, there's two lanes, but it it seems like you you're on on the right road, but it's actually against oncoming mm. traffic. And I was uh, trying to stop this vehicle, and when we parked at the trail park, I realized oh it's Lundy, and she got out of the car, and um, that also gave me quite a, a um, point in the bank to to start a conversation. And um, that was our first trail, and I remember um, Lundy was like just behind me. Every time I look over my shoulder, I see this girl chasing me. And uh, it was only a 12k trail race, but to me, it, to us, it felt like, wow, that's 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 a long race. Um, mm. And yeah, there were there went few a lot of races. There's there's actually a number of old races like the Skyrun 100k. That's like a group of people. Like one guy will challenge his mates, and then he will run from Lady Grey to Tiffendale over the mountains and survive. And then the next year, he would invite a friend, and that's how some events mm. started. So a race like Skyrun is 25 years old, um, and now it, it attracts like 
800 people in a very rural part in South Africa and people take part of it. Um, but yeah, the races were few and far between, um, especially up in Gauteng where we used to live. Only then, then we made a decision to move down to Western Cape after a short stint in the States. So we really started running in the States and experienced amazing trails. And um, yeah, from then it was never turning back because trail running just took us places and in a short period of time. So um, now we, we spoiled for probably the, I would say the best races in, in the world. Um, we're hosting the UTCT um, 100K, which now also have a 100 miler. Uh, the Otter Greylock mm. Trail, which is the Golden Trail Series 20, 2018 final. Yes, that's um, right. Yeah. Also Trail Drakensberg, which is an amazing event. The Maxi Race, which brings people to the heart of the Winelands. Um, yeah, there's, there's just to name a few. There's, there's the beautiful whale trail on the, on the coastline of, um, where you can watch whales while you run. There's and and the do you get Edo. a sense, but, but with these races, because, I'm always fascinated by what creates a trail community. Like what, and, and South Africa has, has been at times notoriously isolated from the rest of the world. There was, did you think the trail running these races, how many of them do you think were inspired by people traveling elsewhere and thinking, I want to create that at home? And how many of them were just more, Someone thought, I like to run. I like to run on trail. I'm going to start doing this thing and almost grew it independently of external influences. Yeah, I know I know most of the race organizers, and you're right. A lot of them traveled. Um, Nick Borman used to live in Hong Kong, and he wanted to create something similar, and he, that's where, how UTC was uh, born. The mm. Colin brothers from the Otter used to race internationally, in adventure races, um, and they wanted to bring something like this to South Africa, and, and that's why it's, it it meets up with, with world standards. If you if you we've run done a lot of a lot of races across the world, and our races mm. are really something special. And we probably don't have that support yet, like a Zagama, um, but I think it will come. Zagama has been going for well so many years now, over twenty five, and it's partly because it's almost seen as it, it, the, it, it's adopted by the whole region as opposed to just being loved by local runners. It's loved by local people. And um, I'd imagine, particularly given the outpouring of love towards comrades, that there's certainly that, the readiness to, to adopt more races. Um, so then what, when did you kind of start finding success at longer races then? Yeah, I think it was really after um, Lundy started traveling abroad and she raced for um, Solomon International. And I really at, at, like fell in love with her lifestyle, but I wasn't able to do it. And I knew at some point I'll have to start training harder and uh, I'll have mm. also make a, make a decision to, to quit my job at some point. So in 2015, I've, I won the UTC T100K. Uh, three weeks after we completed a trans-alpine run in uh, Europe. So, um, again, to race on a team is, is almost like a bit easier for myself as a male, but um, trans-alps was really one of my toughest races ever. Um, Landik were really strong in the last three days, um, and, and she really pulled me across the line. And probably I had been training 
way less than she used to run. But we, we, we came second and that was an aspiring run. And yeah, I think after that, um, I, that was one of my first experiences on the international scene. And I decided that's, that's where I want to race and I want to compete and be competitive on, on the international scene. And, um, yeah, so the one, I, I focused every year on, on one race in 2016. I won the Chiron 100k. In 2017, I won the Otter Trail. And then in 2018, I spent a lot of time overseas, um, did a lot of races, and in Azores, we raced in Spain, we raced in Mont Blanc, the 90k Mont Blanc, uh, the marathon race, um, I did it twice, um, Ultra Pyrenees, um, 100, 114k, um, yeah, and we, we traveled from, so in 2017, actually, I, I decided to quit my mm. job. Um, so that was quite a big step of faith. I, I didn't have any, um, financial sponsors or not significant financial sponsors at that time. And, mm. the, and that did, 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 did you think training, did you train a lot together? And do you think, um, you know, training with your partner is, is always a good idea. And, and how did you find a racing together as well? Yeah, we, we did all our training together, each and every training run. And it helped me quite a lot because Lundy is very diligent. And uh, also the things that mm. um, I never attended to, like the stretching and yoga. And <laughs> he was quite diligent with that. We would go to a park in Briz, uh, in uh, Barcelona or wherever we stayed for, for that time and, and do our abs and routines and all of that. Um, and yeah, racing together is, is quite special. Um, it's tough, but I think we only had great successes, um, in, in trail running. Adventure racing is, is a bit different because I was the navigator and whenever I make a mistake, I could never <laughs> hear the end of it because Lundy is very competitive. So whenever I, I caused as a second place, um, that was not such a fun experience to, <laughs> to deal with. But yeah, trail running is, it's been a, such a special time to, to race together in Trans Alps and, Many stage races we've done in South Africa as well. Um, and we really want to go back to Trans Alps. That it's just unmatched that experience. And what, why, what's so good about it? So you, you spent eight days of running, uh, through epic places and meet people from across the world. And it's not like you always go to a event and you're on this high and you go back home and it's like, ah, oh, I wish I could stay longer. But yeah, you mm. really eat and experience everything of this race and we we met people there Ragnar Pere which we still we still friends of them today um they they are quite uh strong runners lately I know Ragnar's been world champion before and they yeah they are doing cool things they travel to South Africa as well on their world tour and uh, and you say you you eat lots of local food so is is the food put on by the organizer rather than you having to be self-supportive Unfortunately, yes, and that's where we made a big mistake. We we had a lot of pasta. Every every night was a pasta party, so we were not used to that kind of diet, and it affected our stomach quite badly in the first three days. And we we were at a point where Lundy wanted to pull out on day three, and uh, miraculously we we just finished a day, and it was all tears, and we were in a bad position. And uh, then we realized, okay, now we need to source our own food. 
um, regardless if we have to go to supermarkets and pay for food, but mm. we need healthy stuff. We need beetroot. We need uh, broccoli. And I remember we cooking it in kettles and eating beetroot on on the sidewalks um, in front of this, the supermarket and just go to the pasta party and eat whatever will not be um, affecting our, our digestion. And then luckily we bumped into um, South Africans there and they invited us for a, a good meal that night. And yeah, we, we, we're still friends to this day. And um, yeah, we, we happened to, the, the tables turned for us. And like in the, we, we won the last two stages, regardless of me having altitude sickness and I couldn't take in anything on the run. Uh, Lundy was really strong and yeah, we were up against Spera and Ragnar and uh, th that was quite a, a tough competition. They are mm. excellent runners. And, and do you think being a, a couple who run together or who race together, does that present certain challenges or certain problems that other pairings might not necessarily have? Um, having children is, is quite difficult now because uh, now the running becomes a juggle. So if you go, I can't. Um, unless we, we take both kids in, in running prams. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so it, it becomes quite a, a difficult thing now. Um, and oftentimes I give, so I would, when Lundy was uh, pregnant and recovering from pregnancy, I would focus a lot on running and do crazy stuff like the, the Platte Clip uh, Challenge up Table Mountain where we broke the Guinness World Record. And I would give all my attention on, on running. And then I know when, whenever she's back, I'll step backwards and then give her the opportunity. Mm. And she's really now in, in the best shape I've ever seen her. And um, I'm also now stepping back into racing season. And my big goal is in 14 weeks from now. So it, it will be a, a tough um, three, four months coming up. Lundy's uh, training towards CCC 100K. And I'm... Um, I've, I've got my goal set on running my fastest other time. So, um, yeah, now it's, it's kind of a blur. <laughs> we, we have a schedule and if you don't keep to it, if you sleep in, you miss your run. <laughs> well, you get a nappies. <laughs> well, before we talk about the other tell us about the, the world record attempt then, because I mean, Cable, Table Mountain is, is known as a pretty tough trail anyway. Got you know, good, good elevation there, but explain exactly what that was. Yeah, so um, it was lockdown, hard lockdown in South Africa. All the events were cancelled. And uh, myself and AJ Collett, a good friend of mine, also sponsored by K-Way, so we're teammates. We sat down together and AJ said, I've, I've got an idea. I said, yeah, yeah what, what's, your, what's your idea? It's like, I think we can break the world record, the Guinness World Record for the most vertical distance in 24 hours. He said, um, there's only one problem. We don't have 24 hours because of our curfew. So in South Africa, we had during COVID, we oh, had a curfew. Oh, yes. I remember. Yes. Yeah. So we actually had from uh, 4 a.m. until 12 um, p.m. to that we were allowed to be outside. And what, what was the, the logic of that? 12 a.m. to 4. Oh, so the whole of the night, you were eight hours short. Yeah, so this, this, we four hours short. Yeah, so there's, there's no logic in it. Um, which to this day we still can't explain it. But a lot of people were jailed, uh, who, mm. who broke the rules. So <laughs> we, we decided, okay, we'll give it some time and hopefully the curfew is lifted. 
Um, but it wasn't, it, so AJ applied for the Guinness World Record. So once you apply, you have three months to complete it. And we, um, when the three months almost run out, literally, um, we had the 11th of May, it would run out. That was a Tuesday. I phoned AJ and it's like, AJ, I don't think they're going to lift this ban on, uh, or this curfew. Um, and I think we should, uh, give it a go. Um, and I knew we, like, we both needed something to do and, uh, there were no races. And I also knew I was running out of time because, um, my second child was born. She was three months and sooner Lundy will be getting back into running and I'm, I'm in a, in a good place with my running at the time. Um, and AJ is like, okay, I'm, I'm away for the weekend, but, uh, what are you doing on Monday? I say, no, I'll shift a few things around. Let's meet, meet, <laughs> I'll meet you Monday morning at the start of Table Mountain. Um, so a bit more logistics and, uh, I, a friend sponsored us a night in a hotel quite close to uh, Table Mountain. Um, and, and, and how uh, high is Table Mountain? Cause, uh, Cape Town is on the sea. So what's the elevation at the top? Yeah, so the elevation at the top is 1,100 meters, but the start of the trail where we started, um, where there's no more trail roads, is at about 200 and something. So it's 692 meters to be exact, because that's measured by um, a land surveyor. So the ascent we did is 692 meters from the um, bottom to the top. And we decided to do it on Table Mountain, although it's not the easiest mountain, but it's an iconic mountain and it's somewhere where we will always remember that. I mean, that's, that's something we people relate to. If you set up a Guinness world record, um, mm. then to do it in an easier mountain, then that's not full of steps. So this whole route is, um, steps, rock steps has been built and it's the most wow. touristy route. You know, so it's, it's a scenic route and most tourists go up table mountain on the Platyclip route. Platicle Gorge route. Uh, and because we choose a Monday, there was actually, uh, actually less tourists, which was good. Um, and yeah, the May. And why did you choose the steps? Because surely that would be more impact on your legs on a descent. Exactly. So that was just, um, AJ also had a lot of experience. He's, he's done a, a charity event before and he also set a solo record for the most elevation gain in 12 hours on, on Table Mountain. So we kind of had a, a, a benchmark and we did mm. a few calculations and we, and, and we knew that when we go in, we have to break this record in 20 hours because we only have 20 hours. And it was, Oh, sorry. I, I think I misheard then. So it, you can start at 4 a.m. and you finish at midnight. Is that right? Co correct. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. I thought it was, yeah, gotcha. That makes sense. And, um, and, and what are the rules on that as well? Like, do you, uh, do you have to run down as well, or is there a way? Yes. Okay. So, so this, in this specific record, is a vertical distance. So it, it's a cumulative vertical distance up and down. And that makes it a lot harder because the downhill really sits in your legs. And mm. especially running downstairs, um, really just go and sit in those VMO and quads. And it's, it's all pain from like lap mm. five, six. It's just a pain cave. <coughs> And, and what distance of, is it from the bottom to the top in terms of miles covered rather than 2. just the elevation? 2.3 uh, kilometers, roughly. 
So that would be about 1.7 miles and 692 meters. So it's, it's quite a deep mm. ascent. We did less than 70 kilometers, so less than um, 70. Uh, I'm trying to convert back to, to miles now. I can this do is the other about 40, around, 45 miles, 15, about, isn't it? Yeah. 45 miles, yeah. And and would you, um, like, had you trained specifically then doing lots and lots of stairs and elevation after elevation? Uh, AJ did. I would have liked to do a lot more stairs, but out where I live, uh, I have a lot of mountains in Stellenbosch, but not really stairs. So I spent a lot of time going up Simonsberg, um, which is the, the beautiful mountain on my back door. Uh, it's 1,300 meters elevation in uh, 5Ks. Um, so, yeah, but, but we also, we didn't really think it's going to happen until that last weekend where I said, like, we've got two days left. Mm. Are we going to do it? Yes or no? And then we, we make it happen. And, um, yeah, we, we, we started off that morning and it's, it's quite amazing and actually inspiring when you, when you choose a, a big challenge like that, you depend a lot on people to support. Mm. And one of the, the people who supported us was uh, Pierre, the, the gear guy, Pierre with the gear from also from Kway, and he was literally there from the morning 5 a.m. until uh, 4 a.m. Oh, he came like 5 a.m. He said to drive from from home until that night at 12 p.m. and um, never missed a beat to support us whenever we came down, uh, whenever we wanted to change socks or uh, get food, and we. We had to have people at the bottom and the top to mm. to verify that we actually did it, and the shifts need to change. So there's a lot of people involved to um, to, to support us in in this journey, and and then you realize once you started it, all these people came out and they they, they actually had to take leave that that day to to be there and and see us witness us doing this record. So we just got to make them proud and and push through. Um, and it, I mean, it was it was quite a a big effort for 20 hours. I, I think the record can easily be broken in 24 hours, um, but it was and, quite a big effort for 20 hours. And was this, did you have a kind of even intensity strategy for the up and the down, or given the impact on the down versus the up, but then the speed on the down versus the up, were you pushing on one more than the other? We. We tried to, um, we, we were quite, on quite a uh, tight schedule. So we mm. knew we, we had about, um, I think it was an hour 25 that we intended for up and downs. It was about 45 to 53 minutes up. And then the downhill was 30 minutes roughly. Um, but yeah, it, 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 the longer you go up, the, the first lap, you think, oh, this is this is so possible. It's it's so easy. We're going to break this record. And then at lap six, um, I started cramping, and then you 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 can't see yourself going up another lap. And uh, at lap eight, AJ had quite a bad spot, and he wasn't talking, he wasn't saying anything, and it it looked like is this really possible? You know, like are we going to make it? And then. Then we started chasing cut like the cutoff. Um, we knew we we had to be down um, by by 12 p.m. and I mean we we could have risked it to to carry on, but um, it was 
in the end, actually, uh, Pierre got pulled over by police because he was was driving home after uh, curfew. So it was it was quite serious those, those days. Like he, he got mm. away by just saying his car broke down. But um, yeah, we 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 made it, and um, in 19 hours and 15 minutes or 46 minutes, and yeah, the the, the goal was to break the record, and that that we did, and we were. We were happy to this day that we went out and and try it. So, so what elevation did you end up with then? And how you've mentioned just under seventy k, and she climbed. Trying to remember what you said before. Six hundred ninety-two um, meters times fourteen, so it was nineteen thousand three hundred and eighty-six meters uh, vertical distance. So it's like a double Everest in a correct in a day. Uh, yeah, up Everest, up and and down, and and a bit more. Yeah. Okay. Um, and does it really help to? Do, do you think you either of you would have managed that by yourselves? Um, I did uh, similar things in the past, um, but not not this this long. So I really think it, it helped to be in a team. Um, surprisingly, we were, um, I think, very supportive and. He, he's always very humble, so he always says, uh, "No, I, I I pushed him and I helped him a lot." But um, I think he he helped me a lot. So I think we we both um, did better than um, what we would have been able to achieve on our own. Yeah. Also, now, do, you have, do you have any do you have any tips for um, any any people who who are trying to do events as as a team? Whether um, do you set rules in advance, uh, or are there there's some some the rules that are useful to to kind of abide by, or yeah, I, th- I think it's it's very advisable to set rules in advance. Like, what what is your goal? Uh, that's the first thing you need to establish because you see a lot of people racing in a team, and the one guy's running up ahead, and the other one is uh, falling behind, and and the next day you know that team is is as good as the second guy's speed. So it. Always keep towards your weakest link and, and support your weakest mm. link because you're only as strong as your weakest link. Um, train together. Know each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, and look after one another in terms of nutrition. So we made a, a big effort of making sure that we get hydration in. And the one way we did it, and I, I learned so much in this run because it was the first time it's, it's really controlled. We had 14 laps. Where mm. each time you at a top, um, there's one stream on the way up and uh, on up and down. So we had a cup. We keep a cup there, and we would fill it up with water. And we both made sure that we each drink a couple of water because that was just a habit that that enforced us to drink half a liter of water on each lap. And then when you get to the bottom, you fill up another half a liter and take it to the top. So we we had at least one liter of fluid on every lap. Um, in the end, we we, uh, I, I used about more than 20 liters of, of fluid, just water and cold drink. Oh, so you have electrolytes as well, did you? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so once we get to the bottom, we set up a whole aid station, um, and some guys later brought us a, a coffee stand, and they they gave us coffee, and people brought soup and pizzas eventually, and. Yeah, we chowed so much. This, the amount of calories you burn, it's, that's just ridiculous. That's, I've never done something in my life before. Like, we never stopped. 
for a moment. The, only at the bottom, you like stop for maximum five minutes and then you had to go again. Because the and what food, would, what food were you eating during that time? Um, everything, but what worked really well was smoothies. My wife brought me a smoothie from home and uh, brought a baby. And yeah, that those things were really, uh, it went well um, quite easily because it, it's easy to digest and it cools you down. So it was quite hot during the day. Uh, fruit smoothies or ice smoothies or vegetable smoothies or? Yes. So my smoothies normally contain uh, biogen protein powder. That's our nutrition sponsor with some nut butters um, and some almond milk and a, a bit of uh, coconut yogurt or lactose-free products. That's, that's really works for my body. Um, lactose sometimes mess it up a bit. So, but yeah, the, the protein is very important. And if you do any ultra race or any run longer mm -hmm. than six to eight hours, and it's hard to get it in. So I, it, it, I find smoothies works well to get it down. And, um, and what were you, what were your legs like the next day? How are the doms? So it, it's quite funny. I, the next day I was on a, on a plane on a flight to, uh, Johannesburg for a shoot with Adidas, uh, T-Rex and, Everyone was like, ah, can you walk? Uh, can you even walk after what you did? And my legs were absolutely fine the next day, but two days later and the rest of the week, I couldn't move. So that I always find that the harder your effort, the, the more delays there in your pain. <laughs> like your body takes yeah, time okay, to, to, to like realize what it went through. And, um, but yeah, that, that was, that was quite sore. And did you, like, how long did it take for you to actually feel your back training properly? There was almost kind of, I, there were no races really. Um, so I'll have to go and look at my, my Strava, but I took a, a, a full month off, yeah. Off, and we, when you start taking off running, it, you, I don't know, it's, it's difficult to, to get back to it. So mm -hmm. I planned on taking three weeks off and I think I ended up taking five weeks off. <laughs> so, and do you th do you think if you were to take on that record again, you'd want a longer hill or a shorter hill, or was that a good distance for a lap? I think it was an excellent distance for a lap um, because it was it allows us to recover every <clears throat> let's say ninety minutes um, with good food, mm. good good support from people and um, hydration. So we didn't we we carried a minimum. Um, with us. So that made it quite easier. Um, I wouldn't take stairs again, um, but I would like to do Table Mountain again. Mm. And, and was, did, did the local, like, did, did the Cape Town News and people get behind it? Did it capture people's imaginations? Yeah, that, that was, that was quite cool. Um, more and more people came out and more and more journalists came out and, um, because we, we did it so last minute, we didn't really uh, give people time to, to plan. So a lot of um, TV shows and radios got us on a week later. Um, but mm. everyone bought into the story. And uh, we did it also for a charity, Edunova. So that was also a way to create hope in a, in a, in a difficult time in South Africa and in the world. Um, and so we um, raised awareness for Edunova, who um, equips people with technology kits in rural areas. So they basically give you a tablet with 
all the education you need on the tablet and enable people to really get educated in a, a country where education is not priority. Oh, amazing. And how much, how much money is raised for them? Uh, there was more an awareness, so we never had a, yeah. um, a, a financial campaign linked to it. But I think it was, it was great. The reach we had was uh, quite good on yeah. international media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the Otter Trail. So I've, I now present and report for the Golden Trail. So I know of this from the, the finals the year before I came. That's, uh, it looked incredible. But is, is it well known? You know, is, is it a really big race in South Africa? Has it, has it always been? Or is, is it just my perception of that, you know, having seen it on the Golden Trail series? No, it's always been uh, one of the, uh, the prime races in South Africa and uh, everyone aspires, everyone wants to do it at least once. So it is quite an expensive race, uh, but it fills up within minutes. If you, if you don't, uh, like, it, it, and people are on the waiting list for, 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 for months before they get an entry. So, um, what, what makes it so special? So the, the trail can only be run during the race. Otherwise, it's, it's, an, it's a hiking trail. And it covers a piece of coastland that's um, a, a national park. So it's one of the only national parks in, uh, in a water park. So you're not allowed to fish in the waters um, next to the, the coastline. And that's one of the most abundant sea life experiences you can have. Uh, you never cross a jeep track or a road for 40Ks. You are completely... Um, Submerge in nature. And, and when you say people aren't allowed to run on it normally, so I, you, I wouldn't be allowed to run on a hiking trail as, as a general rule in South Africa. Uh, no, only this this trail. You book it out and you you can hike it or you can technically run it from hut to hut, but you're not allowed to run it, the full otter trail in one go, um, except for race day. Wow, and is that to preserve the trail, I assume, or, or other reasons? And to provide exclusivity to the hikers, because even if you go and hike it, you it will probably be booked for 18 months in advance. So it's wow. a very exclusive trail. Yeah, okay, amazing. Well, that does sound really good. <laughs> and uh, that, that You have to come and do it. And, 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 and I mean, we, we've been out for um, for comrades in the... In the winter, in your winter, but we definitely want to come out in the summer and experience South Africa when the sun is shining and everyone's there and, and the, the tourist industry is back on its knees, back on its feet. Um, and, and in terms of uh, you've you've mentioned about Alpha's Fit, where you train people around the world. Um, what is you've found with your racing, your training to ultra endurance? Sorry, just repeat the question of um, um, Yeah, so what, what do you find are the, the kind of are the big musts or tips or secrets to kind of ultra endurance that you found from your racing and also from, from your training with Alpha's Fit? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing I've, I've realized is a lot of people train um, in the incorrect zones. So we have a big focus on aerobic training and um, spending time in your aerobic zone, which is zone one, two running. Um, and most people just go out and they, they run in zone three. 
you get a lot of endorphins, uh, you feel faster than your friends. And mm. we believe in really building an, an aerobic base. And it takes months to years. But once you have it, your aerobic base becomes the, 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 the speed zone that you can really raise your friends in. Um, and I, I really think that's the biggest thing that, that made a difference in my life. And I think adventure racing helped a lot to achieve that because of the years and years of cycling and hiking um, mm. at a higher heart rate, um, that really built my aerobic base. And when I started converting into trail running, I already had a base. So it's, it's more slowing down on more of your runs to, to build the base before you then start putting in the more intense kind of long intervals, long tempos, things like that. Correct. Yeah. So polarized training, that's a methodology we follow. 80% of your running, even if you, you can combine the two, so 80% of your running will be slow aerobic running and 20% will be high intensity speed intervals, um, a mix of short intervals, heel intervals. And then only later I would include uh, the threshold sessions where you kind of push that lactic threshold and the tempo runs. Um, mm. That's where I, I lack in my training because um, it's, it's quite a hard place to, to train. And um, I'm trying to focus a bit more on that um, because I've, I've got a, the aerobic base covered. <laughs> mm. and, and when you say it's a hard base, uh, place to train, in, in what respects do you mean? Well, you at 170 beats a minute and you can hardly speak. It's, it's difficult to eat. So you need to oh, I thought you meant where you live, so like the, the, the geographical place. I was, I, I thought there was uh, something unique to your, your region that meant you couldn't really do tempo runs. Okay. Oh, it's just, it's just hard to do. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, um, and, and also it's hard to find a flat spot here. <laughs> yeah, that's the trouble with living in the mountains. That it's great for some training, but crazy hard to do intervals. Yeah. Um, sorry, crazy hard to do tempo runs. And, and what would you say your so your big achieve your big aim now is to try and get as fast a time on the Otter Run? Is that what you're saying? You're saying before? Yeah, yeah, that, that's really my focus. So every year I've done Otter since uh, I've done nine Otter, so this will be my tenth Otter. And I always happen to get a the prize podium spot still after I won it in 2017. 2018 obviously was the Golden Trail year. I managed the top mm. ten, but um, Otter seems to like me and I like Otter. It's just a type of run and it, it suits certain runners. And mm. uh, I'm a bit stronger runner, um, but not as fast. So this really seems to work with, with my body type. And last year, my wife said, maybe you must just focus on Otter for a bit and, and forget about it. the other 100K races you always focus on. And then Otter is your second priority. So I might Otter this year, my first priority. And then after Otter, I'll just jump into a 100K race and... <laughs> Try and try and survive, or maybe a hundred miler. And will you be over for the CCC as well? Will you be with the whole family travel for that? No, unfortunately not. Uh, we've done some local travel with the family, and then after one trip with uh, with two toddlers, you are so exhausted. And um, <laughs> I think I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on on my wife. I want her to be able to focus on a race, um, so I'll be taking care of the kids back home, and then. Yeah, I would like to do an international event somewhere this year. Um, I was thinking about Skyline in Scotland um, mm. in September. Um, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't decided, but 
yeah, I'm, I, I can't wait to be on the line of an international event again. <laughs> and um, and just as a, a kind of a, a sideways questions, have you ever seen the film with Nell and I, perchance? Have I ever seen it? The film with Nell and I. No, no, I haven't. But I'm making a note. You should watch it, just because um, I won't say who the actor in it that you resemble, but you you do resemble quite strongly one of the the actors at that stage of their career, and it's a wonderful film as well. So I'll let you see what you think of it and see if you do. You, you spot who I who I'm um, who I'm linking you to, but uh, yeah, enjoy cool. that and let me know what you let me know if you're deeply insulted or it's like looking in a mirror. So, uh, no, people have mistaken me for Christian Grey from Fifty Shades of Grey because of my Instagram handle. Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, so do, have you, do you get a lot of followers then of people who are like, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to follow this guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe my followers are true followers. He really <laughs> likes running. <laughs> or maybe you just need to up the kink a little bit and uh, give them what they're expecting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and if people, you're into about training with you, um, what's or, or to to enter your race, which was I'm trying to remember which Maxi one you race. mentioned, uh, Maxi Race of Africa. What's the best way? What are the handles? What's the best way for them to do those three different things? So we have an Instagram handle, Trail Coach or Alpas Fit is the company name. So www.alpasfit.com. Um, Alpas actually means it's a Filipino word that means to break free from the old. So that's our methodology. We change people's lives through through running, and they can yeah either contact me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Christian Gray, Christian with a double A, and uh, also I'm not as active on Facebook, but I have a Facebook page, Christian Greiling, and uh, yeah we 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 share a lot of content about running and some running related tips on uh, Trail Coach on Instagram. So give us a follow and reach out to us if you want to. Train with us. Um, we have amazing people across the world, and you give us, give us your goal, and we will help you to achieve it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Good luck with uh, another great performance in the Otter. And if you ever make it to London, let me know. You're more than welcome to uh, crash at ours and, and get for a run as well. Thanks, sir. It's uh, lovely to talk to you, and uh, I can't wait to to listen to the podcast and all the others. And, and good luck with the electricity getting it back on. I hope it doesn't it didn't take another 40 hours. Yeah, I think it's another day without coffee tomorrow morning. But, but um, I'm heading up to a summit nearby. Um, we have beautiful winter days now and uh, looking forward to, to the summit run. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thanks again. And uh, hopefully see you at some point in the flesh in the future. Fuck you, buddy.